Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're going to have a wonderful conversation today that I'm sure is going to apply to everybody. Of course, all mine do, but we're really going to have a great time today. And so please join me in welcoming Ron Carr to our program. Welcome, Ron. Thank you, Deb. It's a pleasure to be with you here today. Great. I love it. I love it. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you and then we will dive into this because I know we're going to fill the, the entire hour. So Ron Carr's number one premise is, what would the world be like if everyone acted like a leader and not a victim of circumstances? Ron has worked with leaders of organizations on six continents to eliminate risk, gain buy-in, and achieve better results faster with the velocity mindset. For the past 30 years, his presentations and advisory services have generated over a billion, with a B, dollars in incremental revenues for his clients. Ron is the author of the best-selling Lead, Sell, or Get Out of the Way. His latest book, The Velocity Mindset, look, I have it, um, it shows leaders how to turn their vision into reality. So again, Ron, welcome. Thank you, Deb. It's a pleasure to talk to you about leadership today. And by the way, when we talk about leadership, you started off with the first premise of the book. Mm-hmm. What would the world look like if everybody acted as a leader, not mm-hmm. as a victim? And I'd like just to explain that if I can. Yes, most definitely. Because everybody thinks that, you know, when you hear the word leaders for anybody in a management position, mm-hmm. that's not true. It's really for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, acting like a leader is about taking control of your own destiny. Okay. And what we try to prove into this, in this book is, is that 99.5% of all the reasons why people have drag and resistance on their velocity is not so much due to external circumstances, mm-hmm. but due to self-induced limitations. Okay. And that's what we cover in the book. Mm-hmm. So if someone's not a manager and they're asking if this is for them, it is. Mm-hmm. Like salespeople are leaders. They lead customers mm-hmm. to conversations for them right. to make the best decision. Well, and as you as you said, everybody is a leader. We're a leader in our families. We're a leader in our churches, in our volunteer organizations. We're a leader every place we go. Um, you know, and, and so that's why these these skills are so important. Well, let's kind of take one little step back. It's been a while since I've had science class. What exactly is velocity? Well, let's see. Keep this interactive. When you hear the word velocity, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Speed. Exactly. And that's what everybody says. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's what most people think velocity is. Just right. speed. Go as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. But it is not. Okay. If all you're thinking about is speed, then you're mm-hmm. likely going to have burnout. Mm. Think about the fact that we're all task-oriented versus mm-hmm. purpose-oriented. That's a big issue with velocity. Mm-hmm. We're so busy doing our tasks, our tasks, our tasks, and we're mm-hmm. speeding through. And at the end of the day, we're exhausted. Mm-hmm. But then how many times do we sit there and say, but, but did I really move forward in my life? Right. Did I move forward in my business? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you look at the physics definition of velocity, mm-hmm. it's speed with direction. Mm. And the word direction is the, is the linchpin for gaining velocity. So when you look at the book, The Velocity Mindset, Mm -hmm. we actually broke it up into three sections. Mm -hmm. But I created the acronym called MAD because if you don't make it simple for your clients, Mm -hmm. they'll never remember it. Mm -hmm. So the three sections are M for mindset, Mm -hmm. A for alignment, Mm -hmm. and B for destiny. Right. But we end with destiny, even though it's the second section of the book. When I speak, like in these situations, Mm -hmm. I end with it. Mm -hmm. It's just to stress how important direction is. Mm Because if you don't know what you're going for, or if, if it's not clear in your mind, mm-hmm. 
and you'll start getting the actions that actually take you away. Right. Right. You know, and, and I think that is, is one of the things and you know, that, that it's definitely what you talk about in the book is one of the big things is we have to ask the right questions. Um, you know, a lot of times when a situation comes up, we think either throw more money at it or take something away. Um, you know, and, and like we fire people or, you know, something and, and, and we never stop to think, okay, is that the right thing to do? Well, so I've been retained by clients, you know, for several years to work Mm -hmm. with the CEO, C-suite and the company Mm -hmm. on helping them grow. Mm -hmm. And there are many times when I'm, I find myself talking about the same issue Mm -hmm. with the CEOs. Mm -hmm. After they've replaced somebody and they still have the same issue with somebody new or whatever, or it's right. five years and we're still talking about the mm-hmm. same issue. And I'll sit there and I'll, I'll do a course correction. I'll say, look, what is the one constant in these last five years or mm-hmm. these last three people? Mm-hmm. It's you. <laughs> so one thing that we t- talk about in the book, there's a magical question that everybody who acts like a leader in life should be asking after every success mm-hmm. and failure. Mm-hmm. What could I? do differently next time right that's the question leaders ask Mm -hmm. if you don't ask that then you start blaming Mm -hmm. everybody else or every other thing right but it all starts with you it's not to say there aren't Mm -hmm. others involved it's not to Mm -hmm. say there's not external things but it's still Mm -hmm. up to you right for example we Mm -hmm. all can relate to to the lockdown last march in covid Mm -hmm. now everybody handled it differently Mm-hmm. But it was a shock to everybody. It was a shock to me, just like mm-hmm. it is to you. I lost right. the whole speaking calendar. Mm-hmm. So I sit there and I could have said, oh, no, not now, you know, COVID. It just right. didn't end. Mm-hmm. Or I can sit there and say, okay, it's happening to everybody. Mm-hmm. How are you going to move ahead? What do you still right. want to do? And I looked at the situation. And I said, okay, is it, is it worth my time going out to speaking engagement when they're not there and mm-hmm. fighting for whatever remote from mm-hmm. you can get? And I decided not to. Mm-hmm. I decided this was the time to double down and write the book. Mm-hmm. So when the market opened up again, I got a new um, tool to use mm-hmm. to help people. Right. So I didn't play the victim. Mm-hmm. It happened to everybody. Mm-hmm. So I said, what does it look like for me success at the end of this thing? Mm-hmm. It was to have the book out. So I have a new conversation going mm-hmm. and I implemented it. That's the difference. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned, you know, not being the victim. The other key part of that is. Some you know, many times when people are are being the victim, it also means we're not taking responsibility. You right. know, and and so talk to us more about how we get out of that mindset. Well, first of all, there's a few things. When I say not being a victim, I'm not at all saying things don't bad don't happen. To right? People. Yeah, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you know things happen. Right, but go back to when we were born. I mean. Mm-hmm. I got very vulnerable in this book to have people understand that, you know, life is not great for everybody as it seems. I grew up in a very abusive relationship. My dad is a Holocaust survivor. Um, it led to me creating stories. Now, I knew he loved me, but it, it led me to creating stories as to what he was doing that I had a perception of myself, which wasn't great. The point is, every time someone says something to us or does something, they do it for their own reasons. Right. But then we interpret it ourselves and mm-hmm. we create a story around that. Mm-hmm. So anytime something happens that sets anybody back, we immediately start creating the stories to mm-hmm. what we think it means. Right. So the first thing you need to do is take the take the power of the emotion of the story away. Because mm. if we get sucked into the emotion of the story we're creating, like, oh, my God, you know. You know, he never gave me the, 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 the seal of approval. He was always mm-hmm. critical. He says, I'm going to wait till my friends find I'm a fraud. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so I developed a story. I'm a fraud. Mm-hmm. But it came from him because of his insecurities. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a fraud. I'm not doing right. anything to fraud anybody. Mm-hmm. The sooner you can identify that happening, mm-hmm. you can rewrite that story. Mm-hmm. That's the point I want you listeners to understand. Every story you create about yourself, you can rewrite because you're the one who wrote it. It's just the story. Right. So when you can take away the power of the emotion, Mm -hmm. then you can clearly look at the situation. So one of the things we talk about in the book is the power of the pause. Mm -hmm. And we also talk about destiny. So you got to visualize success Mm -hmm. because that's what drives your actions. If you Mm -hmm. don't have the right 
visualization, then mm-hmm. you'll do the wrong thing. So my first selling job was selling copiers. Mm-hmm. And it was a school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. And I worked for Royal Business Machines. And they seduced me because of first. We got this 1980. We got this brand new copier. It's no mm-hmm. longer liquid toner, which goes all over. Oh, yeah. oh, we hated that stuff, right? It's a dried toner. Pure, crisp, 15 copies a mm-hmm. minute. Ooh. It's gorgeous. And they mm-hmm. seduced me. Mm-hmm. I said, where's the color? Don't mm-hmm. worry, I'll be here in six months. Yeah, we'll we don't need it. Mm-hmm. It'll be there. Mm-hmm. Well, that stuff didn't come for two years. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going out there making cold calls mm-hmm. in local companies. And I'm going in and I'm saying, I sell copiers. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you do what the machine on the third floor does? Mm-hmm. With those like, three initials, bit? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Xerox. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Or IBM. And I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So I got kicked out. Right. And so you I thought, started. oh, woe is me. Well, no. I thought, man, I suck. Ah. I mean, I can't sell to save my life. Mm-hmm. I can't get everybody to listen to me. That was right. the story. Mm-hmm. And I was getting emotional. Mm-hmm. So one day, and we talk about this concept in a book, I mm-hmm. decided to have a board meeting with myself. Mm-hmm. Went to a diner, because that's what we have in New Jersey diners. Mm-hmm. And I sat and I talked to me, myself, and I. And I took the emotion away. I said, okay, mm-hmm. you're tired of getting thrown out on your butt. Mm-hmm. We're going to change that. Mm-hmm. So let's look at it, you know, quietly. Mm-hmm. What's the situation? Mm-hmm. I only got one type of copier to compete against the Xerox. Mm-hmm. So what are you selling? A copier. And I said, are you really selling a copy? What's the end result of the copy? Mm-hmm. It's communication. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to change the conversation. Mm-hmm. Instead of selling a copy, I saw the outcome of the communication. Right. So I went back to the, a new prospect and I mm-hmm. met the manager. And I asked up front, would you agree with me that a copy is nothing more than a communication vehicle for your company? Mm-hmm. I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I said, well, when it comes to that, what are your three biggest challenges? All mm-hmm. of a sudden, they got so emotional. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, my God, you know, Sally had pizza on the first floor. Mm-hmm. He needs one copy. Mm-hmm. He walks and chicks that to everybody by the time he gets to the mm-hmm. stairs, goes up to the third floor. Then they have to wait. Because right. there's only one machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have mm-hmm. to wait behind all these big jobs. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how long does it take to get that copy made? Two hours. I said, oh, my God. For one copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How often does that happen in a week? And the answer was, try the equivalent of two full-time employees. <laughs> I'm like, wow, how mm-hmm. would you like that productivity back? Mm-hmm. He said, how? Mm-hmm. I said, well, I'm not competing with Xerox. Right. We don't have the call. It's not what mm-hmm. I'm here for. Mm-hmm. I'm here to make your system more productive. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should look at getting my mm-hmm. 15 copy a minute, mm-hmm. crisp copies for one mm-hmm. for every floor to do all mm-hmm. those simple jobs. Mm-hmm. And you'll get back those four, two full-time employees. Mm-hmm. I started Deb selling three at a time. Oh, I bet. But I couldn't get to that if I mm-hmm. didn't sit down calmly, mm-hmm. strip the emotion, mm-hmm. stop blaming myself, right. and refocus on what I wanted to achieve, mm-hmm. look at how I was doing it, and what tweaks could I make mm-hmm. to get to a different result. Right. Well, and, and of course, the big thing are the, the that little voice in our head that, you know, and, and, and it's generating those stories, um, you know, and, and sometimes it's based on, you know, unfortunately, yours were, were based a lot on your dad. Sometimes it's a teacher just randomly saying something. Um, a lot of times, you know, especially for women <clears throat> in my generation, you know, we were told girls don't do that. You know, you my mother know. went through that. My yeah. mother was a woman ahead of her time. She was my mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and that, that voice gets stuck in our head. And I love that you say, you know what, rewrite that story. You know, yeah, maybe that. girls don't do that, but I can. Right. My mother was a, an economist and she fought in two wars. She commanded a battalion of 2,000 mm-hmm. women in the War of Independence in Israel. Mm-hmm. Came to the U.S., worked at the U.N., became a well-known economist, worked for mm-hmm. a big bank. But in the 1960s, she was applying for a job and... The banker said, "This is you have a great resume, but this is no place for a woman." Right, you can be so, a secretary, honey. Right. So, thirty years later, she was a senior vice president at Chase Manhattan, and she was at an executive uh, mm-hmm. cocktail party, and mm-hmm. she saw the guy, ah! and, she looked at, and she looked at his badge, mm-hmm. and saw that he was three rungs below her in the organization. <laughs> so she decided to go up and have fun with him. Mm-hmm. She said, "Hey, do you remember me?" And the guy looks at her badge and sees the name is Miriam, and he goes. She go, he goes, mm-hmm. no, I, I really don't remember Miriam. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me remind you. Mm-hmm. You were interviewing me for this position in the 60s, and you said that this was not a job for a woman. And it's why I thank you. Mm-hmm. And she smiled and walked away. 
And she, and she got her one moment of flesh, if you will. Mm-hmm. But right. the point is, she didn't let it stop her. Right. She rewrote the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And understand that when we get stopped, it's not so much what someone says. It's the mm-hmm. story we create that stops us. Mm-hmm. And if you take responsibility for that, you'll get stopped less often. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and, and as you said, it's our story. Um, you know, and, and it's our interpretation of things. And of course, the important thing is, and, and you talk about this, this in the book, is to remember other people are doing the same thing. Um, yeah. So you, you also made a point, you know, when someone can say something, you know, nonchalantly, we make such a big deal. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was trying to apply for choir in school mm-hmm. and the teacher said to me, oh, come on, you don't have a voice. You know, don't wait. I don't want to see you go through this, you know, embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Go find something else. Now, look, she could literally be saying to me something that she's trying to protect me from. Right. Mm-hmm. And she did say that to me, and mm-hmm. I agree with mm-hmm. her. But we've all heard similar stories mm-hmm. from singers who were told the same thing. Yes. But who became world-renowned singers. Mm-hmm. It's because they did not take a story mm-hmm. that said, I'm, no, I'm not a singer. I can't mm-hmm. do that. They right. used it to drive them. Mm-hmm. That's where we have the choice. Mm-hmm. We have the choice of how we take things and what story we want to listen mm-hmm. to. And if we own that choice, that's when you're automatically going to gain velocity in your mm-hmm. life. Right. You know, and, and, and you mentioned, you know, she was trying to protect you. And that really is where a lot of these stories come in right. is the parent, the teacher, the whoever. They are just trying to protect us. But it's probably because of something that happened to them. So it's their right. own right. stories. Exactly. So, like, go as a speaker. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a speaker and a consultant, so I speak. I put myself at risk, you know, mm-hmm. on the stage. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, I come from a dad and say, wait till your friends find out you're a fraud. Right. So every time I go up on stage, I still, you never eliminate it. But right. Yeah, it, that right? little voice is still there. Mm-hmm. So I can get a, rank, a rating of, and I'd be speaking to hundreds of CEOs, mm-hmm. I can get a 4.7 out of a 5. Mm-hmm. But out of that rating, which is a great rating, mm-hmm. I'll see that maybe two people gave me a one. Right. And, and you're like, me and said, what the heck? That's, that's all I fixate is on mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous because mm-hmm. when you look at ratings, you always take the top away and you take the mm-hmm. bottom away because right. you're triggering somebody mm-hmm. when you talk. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of their ratings are based on their, what you triggered in them, not so much about what you've done. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and I love the story that you talk about in your book about your daughter's um, softball team. Where you know they're they're you know about to go up against somebody that had just thrashed them, um, you know, and 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 you had them rewrite the story. So tell us a little bit more about that because I think this it, I just I love that story. And of course, I'm a big sports fan, but but I thought it was so important just to take one tiny little shift. So my daughter played a lot of softball in, in high school. She she gravitated being the cleanup hitter because of her power. Mm-hmm. She played summer ball, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so she was on this team. And that basically won eight loss states, a 500 record. Mm-hmm. And because you're 500, you qualify for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But one of their losses was so bad. They got mercy 23 to nothing in the third inning. Oh. They went up against a pitcher that was pitching fast pitch mm-hmm. at 40, at 65 miles an hour from 42 feet from the plate. That's the equivalent of a 95 mile an hour mm-hmm. fastball from a major league pitcher. Mm-hmm. They could not get that bat on the ball. They right. were mercy. So they get to the playoffs, they win the first game, and now they wind up in a championship game against mm-hmm. that same team mm-hmm. and that same pitcher. Mm-hmm. So that if it's a hot July day, it's humid, it's sweating, and you're going up against the team that mercyed you in that pitcher, what would be right. your first And they're thinking, why are we even bothering? Yeah. Why are we even bothering? Let's go have pizza. You can mm-hmm. be the champions. Let's have fun. But they're there. And then the two coaches, they see me because I used to coach with them. And they're looking for everything, they're raising mm-hmm. their head, look to the heavens and looking around. Then they see me and they go, hey, you, Mr. Motivational Speaker, come over here. Mm-hmm. I go, what? He goes, you got five minutes, motivate them. Mm-hmm. I said, five minutes. You know, it takes me five minutes just to get going. Right. And let alone have a beginning, middle and end. Mm-hmm. And besides, mm-hmm. there's no such thing. If you, if you know anything about teenage kids, especially mm-hmm. females who just lost a game. Right. Is there such a thing as motivating a teenager? No. <laughs> no. So they put them on two levels in the bleachers. I got five mm-hmm. minutes. They're sweating. Mm-hmm. And then before I can even start, mm-hmm. out of the corner of my eye, I see this one person giving me the evil eye. <laughs> Who 
who's really not happy that dad is doing this. No. And she's sitting there going, dude, this is my world. You screw it mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. Your butt is mine. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about pressure giving a speech. That was mm-hmm. more pressure than I had before any speech. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking about, okay, I got to get going. You know, how do I get mm-hmm. this done? You had to motivate oh, yourself. Mm-hmm. The most mundane statement came out. If I ask you not to think about pink elephants, what are you thinking about? Pink elephants. Right. And so I said to them, I said, look, the mind can't process the negative. Mm-hmm. So I know that girl beat you last time. I know you couldn't get, let's just agree to it. It happened. But if you're going to go up there today at bat, and if you're here, mm-hmm. and your first thought is, I hope I don't strike out again. Mm-hmm. The word is, don't, is not in your mind. Right. You're thinking about striking out. Mm-hmm. And every part of your body, your mm-hmm. physical, your mm-hmm. mental, is think about that. And you're going to create that destiny mm-hmm. and fulfill it. Right. What's the opposite? What do you want? We want a, a hit. hit. Mm-hmm. So why don't you just go up there and visualize that hit, wherever mm-hmm. it is, where it's going to mm-hmm. go. That's all I want you to do. Because mm-hmm. we got to make it simple for all of mm-hmm. So they went. And because they asked me to give the pregame motivational speech, mm-hmm. I decided to be the obnoxious parent from the stands. And they'd be back, oh, batter, where are you going to go? Base hit to right, boom, where are you going to go? Left field, mm-hmm. then the hit started coming in the field. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Catch the ball, they mm-hmm. dive, they catch the ball. Bottom line, mm-hmm. they rewrote their story mm-hmm. and they won that game seven. Right. Well, and it's, you know, in all of this, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Right. You know, when they started believing and then seeing that they could do it, then it just continued. You know, they weren't it, even thinking about striking out. They were thinking, okay, this one is going left center field. Right. And then one hit led to another and another. Mm-hmm. But you have to unleash your creativity and your ability to see that happening. Mm-hmm. But we stop ourselves by talking about, oh, I hope I don't do this again. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And one of the things, and I found this very interesting in the book, is that you talk about that we really can only have one thought in our mind at a time. You know, we like to think that we're multitaskers, but we're not. I mean, no, you know, so, you can only be thinking about one thing. And if so you get we, caught in that negative, it's stuck. Yeah, but it's even a bigger issue than that. We we did a lot of, we talk about neuroscience, especially right. about hormones, how to engage people. But mm-hmm. neuroscience also taught us that there is no such thing as multitasking. Why? Don't get me wrong. You could be working at five things simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's not multitasking. That's right. actually stripping your velocity. Mm-hmm. Because while you, you see, you, we're talking right now. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can think about right now is my conversation with you and your audience. Right. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. If anything comes into my mind right now and I entertain it, mm-hmm. I'm not present with you. Right. I'm not present with the mm-hmm. audience. You can only do one thing at one time. Mm-hmm. But if you keep switching back and forth from one thing to the other and then you come back, you lose velocity. Mm-hmm. Because then you got to figure out where you were. You got to get back into that Mm -hmm. conscious stream again. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you can, sometimes you can't. And you're probably going to do a less effective job if you keep Mm -hmm. going back and forth than just prioritizing, doing what you got to do, get it done Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. then move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and and you talk in the in the book about the law of focus, and you know, and and so and that is you know that that is the thing we we cannot multitask. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and we all, now I will be the first to admit focus is very hard for me. I'm the kid that likes bright, shiny objects and I'm like squirrel, um, you know, and, and so I have to do things to make sure I don't lose my focus. Like, you know, one of the things that, that I do is, you know, while we're doing this, Facebook is off. My email is off, you know, all of these things so that I'm not just looking over there thinking, oh, oh, you know, and, but, but what is the law of focus and how in the heck do we make it work for us? So the law of focus. So I was doing a, a opening keynote for the international council of shopping centers a few years ago mm-hmm. for the Senate conference. And there were 500 people in attending the Biltmore in Phoenix. And these were all high leverage people. These mm-hmm. were mall owners, mm-hmm. business, real estate tycoons, mm-hmm. you know, the people that, developed and built the malls in random. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was the opening keynote at, at, at the luncheon mm-hmm. and I got off the stage and I said to the mini planner, how did it go? And she goes, did you mm-hmm. see anybody leave? I said, no. And that's because they usually do to play golf, but they oh. were here. So that's mm-hmm. a good sign. Mm-hmm. What did I do in that speech? I challenged them in the first sentence. 
I said, why is it that when a mall goes up, each of you have different parts of responsibility in getting the piece done so the next person could do their job? Mm-hmm. But you're always late, forcing everybody else to be late. Mm-hmm. But come heck of high water, that mall opens on time as the advertised date. Why is it? It's because the law of focus. Mm-hmm. You're all focusing on something that's important to all of you and you make it mm-hmm. happen regardless mm-hmm. of what obstacles come in your way. So the law of focus is critical on a personal level mm-hmm. in terms of focusing on the right things mm-hmm. and not doing the things that take away from where you want to go mm-hmm. and, and doing your best job at it. But the law of focus is also critical as a leader with employees, as a right. salesperson with customers. Mm-hmm. It's getting into a conversation that's important to both of you. Mm-hmm. Something that's passionate that you both want to accomplish that you both realize you cannot do on your own, mm-hmm. but you can do better through the help of each other. Mm-hmm. That's the law of focus. Mm-hmm. So salespeople, for example, where they screw up is they go into a self-focused mindset versus a customer focus. So they talk right. about themselves. You know, an influence is two parts, the heart and the mind. Mm-hmm. If I start calling you up and telling you why you should hire me as a speaker or consultant, here's what I'm going to do. It's not lending with impact because mm-hmm. I'm going straight to a mindful conversation about mm-hmm. what I do and how I do it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. But that's not what you're buying. Mm-hmm. You're buying the outcomes that are important to you. Mm-hmm. So I want to change the mindset and ask about where you're trying to go, what mm-hmm. you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, mm-hmm. and gain an agreement of what you'd like to achieve as a result of my intervention. Mm-hmm. And we both agree on that. Now we have a lower focus on helping you get what's mm-hmm. important to you. Right. And now you're going to listen with greater intent mm-hmm. to whatever I say after that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and you mentioned in, in your book, collaboration. And I think that's what so many people totally forget, whether we're the employee, the salesperson, whoever, is we have our single-minded, here's what we need to do, whether it's finish a product, sell an item, you know, all of those things. And we forget that we have to collaborate with folks. Collaboration is important for several reasons. Number one, a lot of people will communicate something to somebody Mm -hmm. and they feel they did a communication, that's their job. Mm -hmm. But that's not a communication. Right. When I communicate, I'm going to take what I have to say to you, and I'm going to use words fit on my biases and experiences that I know the world to be. You, in turn, are going to hear those words, mm-hmm. and you're going to create a story as to based on your biases and experiences to what you think I meant. And effective communication is not that I communicated with you. Mm-hmm. It's that it landed with the intent I wanted it to land with right. And the only way that you can do that is if you really understand about what people are looking for. And that means you have to have empathy. Mm-hmm. When we look for executives and salespeople and our clients, mm-hmm. one of the traits we look for is a high degree of empathy because mm-hmm. if you have empathy, you'll ask questions. Mm-hmm. But collaboration is also important because it brings velocity. If you can open up and talk to somebody else and two of you bring an idea together, mm-hmm. out of that comes a third idea that would never have happened right. if you didn't collaborate. Mm-hmm. So this is not not about all utopia, let's collaborate and have mm-hmm. who they are. This is meaning if you don't have collaboration, you don't have engagement. Mm-hmm. And today you need engagement for people to buy in. Mm-hmm. So that's really what collaboration is a part. It's an engagement tool. Mm-hmm. You know, as I was reading, and, and I know that you wrote this book very recently, but I was, as I was reading it, I was thinking, how much has the whole pandemic situation just tossed a lot of this up in the air, especially with companies that had to work remotely and are now maybe going to have their entire workforce work remotely or, you know, hybrid where they're, they're not back there all the time. I mean, you know, how has it, has it made it more difficult, you know, and, and, you know, along with that was the, the fact that, you know, there there's different types of leaders. And of course there's people that shouldn't be leaders who are in that position. And so they're not a leader. They just have it in title only, but how much has the, you know, this, this upheaval just really made people have to, to, to almost start over in, in their way of thinking. So that's a, that's a lot, a lot of questions. I know I just asked a whole bunch of things there. One question. I'll, I'll Sorry try and that. take it one step at a time. Um, number one, um, Will we do things differently as a result of COVID? Probably yes. Mm-hmm. For example, Zoom. Mm-hmm. I've been, my clients were on Zoom five years before mm-hmm. COVID because one of the things I always said, if you can visually see your clients mm-hmm. when you talk to them and share proposals, mm-hmm. you have an engagement. Right. 
So the fact that everybody now uses Zoom, I think, makes everybody's life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But you can have more engagement. Now, it doesn't mean it's a substitute for in-person. Right. And I do believe in-person will come back. Mm-hmm. Because people, human beings are a social animal to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. We need to have that interaction. Now, I could see things maybe being a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Instead of big companies buying all these big skyscrapers and making sure everybody has an office, mm-hmm. you know, they may go to a hybrid where, you know, we rotate and everybody's in here all the time mm-hmm. or people in here just Monday and Fridays because that's mm-hmm. important. They can work from home. However, they do that. Mm-hmm. So it might be that people just have a desk to go to, mm-hmm. you know, so it might be less real estate possibly happening. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, business is still going to be business. Right. All right. So when you look back at the last year, nothing's really changed. Some mm-hmm. companies made a lot of money because mm-hmm. they're in the right place, like exercise right. equipment. Mm-hmm. Other companies suffered, mm-hmm. but they all pivoted. Mm-hmm. Said, okay. But, but so they didn't stop. They went back to what does success look like mm-hmm. and how do we get there? Mm-hmm. So business is not going to end the way it was. Mm-hmm. There might be some things that change, like, for example, for me, I always felt that my success was about giving 100 speeches a year. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of travel. Right. After COVID, do I want to do that? No. I've been mm-hmm. on a plane in a year. Mm-hmm. Now I know I have to go out and speak, mm-hmm. but I now have the ability to take my business more to a mm-hmm. remote basis where I can do mm-hmm. more of it remote. I can do a lot more engagement right. mm-hmm. and less wear and tear on my body. So mm-hmm. we are looking at making that change. Mm-hmm. And that came out of COVID. Mm-hmm. So changes like that will come out. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, business is still the same thing, which is mm-hmm. this. If you want to succeed in business, find a problem that your market's trying to deal with, mm-hmm. help them solve it, mm-hmm. and you will be successful. Right. You know, and, and one of the words that you mentioned is funny, and, and I've it's come up numerous times in several conversations I've had this week, is empathy. And, you know, and, and I think that, you know, this last year, definitely. I mean, you know, we had to have leaders who had empathy to, you know, to know that their employees, you know, even though they, you know, they might like working remotely, they don't have to commute. I I joke that, you know, I don't have to put shoes on, um, you know, all these various things, but there were so many other stressors. I mean, you know, all of a sudden we had X number of kids that we were having to teach. We had this spouse that was home. We couldn't go out you know, all of these things. In the, and so I think empathy ended up being one of the the, the biggest things that, that leaders really needed to have. And to understand, you know, my employees are just incredibly stressed. What can I do? And, and, and a lot of them are working on that. I know um, my daughter is uh, working for a company uh, as an account exec. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had Zoom meetings where they were playing a game mm-hmm. with their bet with their number one client. Mm-hmm. It was a way of keeping the client and the company engaged yeah. with each other, mm-hmm. but also learning about each other. Mm-hmm. So there's different ways to get involved when you can't meet in the bar and have a drink. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just about being creative. It's not mm-hmm. about you have to give it up. It's about finding still the right ways that mm-hmm. make sense and that will keep you in your road to where you want to get mm-hmm. to. Where there's a will, there's a way. It's the right. bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the managers, and I use that term because they're not leaders. Those, those people who like to micromanage, I mean, I think their heads just went <clears throat> during all of this because they couldn't really micro. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day who said that their boss wanted them, when this first started, wanted them to have one of those programs on their computers where they were man- they were counting keystrokes. Yeah, um, I understand that. And I mean, I'm like, oh, my God. First of all, I wouldn't work somewhere like that. I mean, that would just be like, I know. Uh-uh. Or I just, you know, I'd have a kid sit there and pound the keyboard or something, you know. Um, but, but yeah, those micromanagers, eh, they really suffered during all the this. micromanagers are usually the ones who have less confidence as a leader. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the one thing that you're doing is be really a leader with a managing title. Mm-hmm. You have to decide you want to be a leader or a manager. There's a mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. A manager manages tasks. Right. A leader manages outcomes. Mm-hmm. Right. I think often managers, the leader is not is not the manager. But I think managers need to be leaders. Mm-hmm. Manage the outcomes because what happens is, and forget about the pandemic. This always happens. Mm-hmm. So you take a star salesperson who's really successful, right? Mm-hmm. And that person was successful because mostly of their own efforts. They had mm-hmm. the the temperament, they had the mm-hmm. discipline mm-hmm. to go out there and do what it takes. Now they get promoted to a manager, right? Mm-hmm. If they don't understand that they went to a new position and now they're 
responsibilities are changing, that's mm-hmm. when they get in trouble. Right. So we talk about in a book about a, one of these people mm-hmm. who became a national account manager. Mm-hmm. Now, a top profile for a top salesperson is go get them, make it happen, talk mm-hmm. a lot, not really in the process and not really into uh, details, mm-hmm. but they want to return the investment. Mm-hmm. So sometimes top professional salespeople are the ones who have to be the, the firefighter, the mm-hmm. one who gets called when the alarm comes in because that's how they live. And they go solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So now they move from that position now to a manager. Mm-hmm. But what's their role now as the manager to do the same thing? No, because now their success is not so much dependent on their efforts. It's dependent on the efforts of the others. Right. But this person didn't recognize that. Mm-hmm. So he trained his team around mm-hmm. the country that anytime they had a tough situation to call him, he'll get on a plane and go solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So he'd fly into Kansas City go on the call, mm-hmm. and then he'd jump in and take over the call. He, he became the sales guy again. Because it was fueling his emotional want. Mm-hmm. But it really wasn't setting him up for success as a manager. Mm-hmm. Right. All it did was it trained the people to call him. Mm-hmm. Come really fix should, this. Uh-huh. Yeah. What he really should have done was gone out there, mm-hmm. prep the person for the call, mm-hmm. sit on his hands during the call. Mm-hmm. Now, look, once or twice, if it's a a make or break deal for the company. Right. So you might need to kind of, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. do it every time. Mm -hmm. Should sit on his hands, Mm -hmm. evaluate. Mm -hmm. And then after the call, look, ask the person, what do you think went well? What can Mm -hmm. you do differently? Mm -hmm. Then share his ideas. Go on, see this movement. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. Because at the end of Mm -hmm. the day, if you believe in that now your success is based on the sum totals of all those working around Mm -hmm. you, you want them working every day and not waiting for you to come and save the day. Mm-hmm. And that's the case. You're going to fail because right. it's impossible for you to be mm-hmm. there every day. And right. you want them working mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. right. and being successful on their own. Right. And, and they're going to fail also, you know, because they, they're they're That little voice in their head is going to go, well, I can't do it. I might as well just have him come do it. Right. So we're enabling them. Mm-hmm. But what the guy was really doing was fueling his need to be important. Right. And that's and of course, when that's he didn't gravitate to the we all get that, you know, well, if I don't do it, you know, it, it'll, it won't be done right. Right. You know, and, and well, that's, that, that's another big one. I'm mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt you. I have that with CEO. I mean, mm-hmm. oh my God, you know, especially in small to mid-sized companies. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, an entrepreneur has his heart in the business or her heart, you know, and they build it and they know the world as they see it. Mm-hmm. So now they want to go from 10 million to 20 million, let's say. Mm-hmm. So I always say, if you want to do that, you better make this as a $20 million company. That's a $10 million company. Mm-hmm. So they say, oh, I want to bring in a new production manager, you know, or a new VP of customer service mm-hmm. and bring best practices. Mm-hmm. Biggest mistake. Well, it's the biggest challenge. It's not a mistake. If they want to do that, they look for bigger companies and people to come from to come in. Mm-hmm. The problem is those people have a lot more resources mm-hmm. and they tend to delegate more than actually roll up the sleeves. Mm-hmm. But that's one issue that sometimes they can get by that. Mm-hmm. But what we run into all the time is when someone comes in with some ideas from their past job mm-hmm. and they hear, this is not what we do around here. Right. Because the people that are there are married to the way of doing it mm-hmm. and they're not open for new ideas. Mm-hmm. That's because they're married to the task mm-hmm. and the process. They're not looking at the mm-hmm. results. Right. When everybody's defined around the results and they take the emotion away. Do I own this process or somebody mm-hmm. else? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We want to be married around the results, the outcomes. How do we get to 20 million? What's it going to take? Mm-hmm. And who has the best idea on how to get that? And that mm-hmm. leads to one more thing in the book. And I'm sorry to keep going there. Mm, no. But it goes to the fact that scares most leaders to death. Mm-hmm. Success. What if I don't know how to get to 20 million? Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to have all the answers, right? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. I don't have all the answers? You need to be comfortable not having the answers. Mm. Because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If you go with the strategy, you know all the answers up front, mm-hmm. you're not thinking big enough. Right. Because you're probably going, and this is where people screw you're, up. You're playing destiny. it safe. Yeah. And this is what people screw up with the destiny. Because when I say, what do you want to accomplish? Mm-hmm. They'll say, based on the past bias and experience. Let me give you an example. A multinational chemical manufacturer called me, and I already did work for some of the other divisions. These guys, developed a new reagent in, in uh, mining copper. Mm-hmm. took 20 years to develop. When it came out in the 80s with this product, it saved all the copper mines from going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. So you go, your sales shoot up. 
Then your competitors see you're making money. They re-engineer. They're not mm-hmm. as good as you. They beat you on price. Mm-hmm. And they start eating in your market share. Mm-hmm. We know that game, right? Right. So they brought me in. They still had 60% of the market share. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they said, you know, the largest player in this industry, all their minds are up for bid. And we're meeting with the sourcing team. Can you help us? I said, mm-hmm. sure. So I flew out there and I met with them. So what do you want as a result of my intervention? Now, in that business, the way they always bought was bid every three years for lowest price. It was a supply agreement. Mm-hmm. So I asked them the question. And they said, oh, we want to win the bid. Mm-hmm. That was not my question, I said. Mm-hmm. You're answering that based on your past biases and experiences. Mm-hmm. Forget that. Because all you're going to do is recreate the past. Mm-hmm. If you really want to create your destiny, take out a mm-hmm. clean piece of paper and write down what's does it look like passion, the heart. Mm-hmm. And so I was saying, why do we have to bid? We save these guys. So what do mm-hmm. you want? A negotiated deal. How long? They usually do three years, 10 mm-hmm. years. You have 25%. How much do you want? 75%. Mm-hmm. So I repeated. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, you want to get 75% of the demand over 10 years for a negotiated deal. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I said, you can do that. But you have to understand one thing. It takes a different set of actions to accomplish that than it does to win a bid. Mm-hmm. And then they asked me the faithful question. How are we going to do that? Yeah. How the heck do we do that? Mm-hmm. You know what my answer was? I have no clue. <laughs> and they looked at me and they go, what? Mm-hmm. And right. I said, look, let me tell you. You don't this. have all the answers either. Let, let me tell you one thing. I know in my heart of hearts, you're not even doing 10% of what I'm going to bring up. Mm-hmm. And I do believe, having done my due diligence, mm-hmm. that you can get close to that. Mm-hmm. Can I guarantee 10 years negotiated 75%? No, mm-hmm. but you're going to get a better deal than you ever had before. Right. But at least you've got something to shoot for. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Nito Cobain, who wrote the forward for the book, is the president of High Point University. Mm-hmm. I was doing a LinkedIn Live with him. We talked about vision because he came from Lebanon with $50 in his pocket. And mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a self-made success story. Mm-hmm. And I said, when you came here, you had to have a vision of what you wanted, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, yes, but... Vision and clarity of vision are two different things. Mm. So when they, so when that client started buying in and I said, I had no clue, mm-hmm. we already had the vision of what we wanted. Negotiated mm-hmm. deal, 10 years, majority of the business. Mm-hmm. The clarity of the vision of how to get there mm-hmm. started developing and becoming much clearer each and every day when they went out, started asking the mm-hmm. questions of every potential buyer. And we started assessing the information and Mm -hmm. became clearer and clearer what the strategy should be and how to position it. Mm -hmm. So for your listeners, yes, we do have problems sometimes understanding our vision, Mm -hmm. but don't put the pressure on you got to understand it or see it clearly. Right. Have the passion of where you want to go. Be grounded in that Mm -hmm. because that in itself, if it's in your conscious mindset, every waking Mm -hmm. moment, then it'll lead to another question Mm -hmm. or lead to another answer. And eventually it will take shape. Mm -hmm. That's what Wallace Waddles called the thought and form of substance or the big idea. Mm-hmm. You have an idea mm-hmm. so big, you have no idea how to do it. Most mm-hmm. people run. Right. We're scared don't, of it. Mm-hmm. Don't run. Mm-hmm. Just let it sit in your conscious mm-hmm. mind and it will start mm-hmm. taking shape. Right. And then the clarity will come and eventually you'll mm-hmm. get there. Will you get mm-hmm. everything you want in life? No. Mm-hmm. But will you have a better life? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Right. You know, and of course, the issue is we think, well, if we've got this you know, big, huge goal. What if we don't make it? We're going to be failures. Eh? So you learn from it. I mean, you know, that's that's the key. You know, the vast you majority can't of time. You can succeed without failing. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no one on this earth from the mm-hmm. top rock stars to Michael mm-hmm. Jordan, anybody else who has not mm-hmm. failed more, right. more mm-hmm. than they succeeded. Mm-hmm. Failure is important mm-hmm. because, A, it means you're trying things, mm-hmm. but B, Failure for the sake of failure is not good. No, no. Failure for the sake to see if something works and, and then applying what you mm-hmm. learn from it so you don't make the same mistakes mm-hmm. is where your next success comes from. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now, speaking of that, one of the other things that, that you talk about in your book is kind of the opposite of that. It's people who are afraid of success. So talk to us about that. It, it, it really depends on what mindset you have from all the stories you have in your mind and all mm-hmm. that. But, you know, for me, um, it was failure if I had a bad ranking by one person in a speech. But it was also the fear of success for me because what would happen if um, 
I get up there and do my thing. Mm -hmm. And then I'm putting myself out there and people say, come on, here's a speech, go give it. Mm -hmm. And then what happens if someone finds out I'm a fraud? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so I'm afraid to succeed because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to prevent something like that from happening. Mm -hmm. Now, many times we're not conscious of what that is, but it's mm -hmm. sitting there in our subconscious. Just understand one thing. A lot of people have that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we would look researching it when we're doing the book and some of your top stars have it. Mm -hmm. And one of them is Tom Hanks. Right. Tom Hanks is a great actor who mm -hmm. is endeared to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But after every time he makes his movie, he's asking me, oh, he's so fearful. Oh, my God. Wait till they see. I should never have been able mm -hmm. to make that movie. What a fraud I am. Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks. Right. So when you have a fear of success, what you really want to ask yourself is a deeper question. What am I really afraid of? Mm -hmm. At least when you have it clear in your mind, you can deal with it better. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Now, you briefly mentioned something, and I want to go back to it, and that's that clean sheet of paper. And you mm -hmm. talk about this in the book. You know, What does that mean, and, and how do we use that as, as a leader? So the clean sheet of paper is exactly what I did with that chemical manufacturer mm -hmm. I told you about. First thing I said is, what do you want? To succeed. Mm -hmm. And they said, we want to win the bid. Mm -hmm. But that was based on that past biases and experiences. And when you do that, your vision's crowding because we create the past. So I told mm -hmm. him, take out a clean piece of paper. Mm -hmm. I just want to hear your passion. What is your true mm -hmm. destiny? Forget about what you know the world to be. Mm -hmm. And that's when they came out with a 10 year negotiated mm -hmm. deal. That's what I mean by a clean piece of paper. Mm -hmm. That's what I did in the audit of pause when I went and had my board meeting with the copier sales. Mm -hmm. I took away all the rejection, everything, mm -hmm. put it aside. I said, okay, what do you want to have happen? Mm -hmm. I want to have better conversations where I could be of value to them. Mm -hmm. But what are you doing now? Trying to compete against something you can't compete. Mm -hmm. So what are you really selling? Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, uh, communication bureau, not copy. So I changed the conversation and led mm -hmm. to that. That's what I mean by clear piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Clean right. piece of paper. I love it. You know, and you also just mentioned the art of the pause. And, you know, because we we tend to think, okay, Velocity is we're going forward and we want to keep going forward and, and all of these things. But pause disrupts that. But then how does it help it? That's a great question. And, and, and I'm challenging that all the time. And I'll even challenge you more because a lot of people say when you pause, oh, so you have to slow down to gain velocity. And my answer is no, you need to stop mm. to gain velocity. Okay. Because the audit of pause is nothing more than reassessing mm -hmm. what's my goal, mm -hmm. your vision. Mm -hmm. And is my actions going to support that? Mm -hmm. Give me an example. Let's suppose a salesperson um, wants to go and get a new prospect, mm -hmm. a client. And they know their sales cycle is usually five calls. Mm -hmm. It takes about five interactions to get somebody on board. Mm -hmm. So if I ask them, what's your goal for this call? Mm -hmm. Oh, we want to close the deal. Was well, that really an effective goal? Mm -hmm. Because all you're going to do in the first call is you're going to probably go in and talk about, you're going to do all the talking. You're going to talk right. about why you feel great, mm -hmm. why they need to do this, and you haven't created any report. Mm -hmm. You haven't found out what they want. Mm -hmm. Is that an effective goal for the first call of a five-call mm -hmm. sales cycle? Mm -hmm. Well, not really. So what is the goal? Mm -hmm. The goal is then to, uh, you know, uh, you know, see how I can help them. I said, okay. And I helped them. I said, maybe the goal mm -hmm. should be qualify them if they're a good prospect for you mm -hmm. and identify a path forward. Mm -hmm. Would that be a good goal? Now, if you have that goal versus closing, can you see how you're now you're going to do different actions? Because mm -hmm. if that goal is to qualify and see a path forward, it's going to mean you've got to ask them questions, mm -hmm. where they're trying to go, what's important to them, and so forth. That's why you stop. Mm -hmm. You want to recalibrate, is the goal making sense? I still have passion for it. Is it the right thing? And then what actions do I need? Mm -hmm. Instead right. of going right. straight from one task to the mm -hmm. other, that's when we get task-driven. We do sometimes the things that don't make a difference. Mm -hmm. We got to be purpose driven, mm -hmm. not task driven. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned at the start that velocity is speed and direction. And sometimes the direction needs to change. And I think that's what so many people, you know, they've got that goal. They've got that, you know, and, and, and they're, they're going to go single mindedly toward that. And they think, and you know, the direction doesn't necessarily have to change. It may mm -hmm. change if you want to. Like, right. When does it change? It changes when you lose your passion for what you're trying mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. But if your passion's still there, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to change. Maybe sometimes you tweak. So, for mm -hmm. example, go back to that chemical manufacturer. Mm -hmm. We still have that goal. Mm -hmm. Negotiated deal, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, what changed was how we went about doing it. Mm -hmm. That customer had five minds. Mm -hmm. Three of the minds were really small, and they didn't mm -hmm. want my client. Mm -hmm. 
because they had their own relationships with some small events. Right, right. Uh The biggest mine, they had um, great relationships because they all grew up in the industry together. Mm -hmm. And they worked together. They trusted each other. Mm -hmm. And they had a decent position in that big mine. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading the Wall Street Journal one day, and I see how Conoco just signed a sole source with that one mine. So I immediately called up my client and I said, hey, do you see this in the Wall Street Journal? They mm-hmm. said, yeah, what about it? I said, well, wait a second. You guys have great relationships with that mine. Mm-hmm. You guys know each other, trust each other. Mm-hmm. If you got a sole source with that mine, what would that do for your 75% of the total commitment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, that mine in itself will give us 75%. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, wait a minute. Why are we spending all this time with three minds that don't want you? Mm-hmm. Maybe we still keep the same goal, but change how we're getting there. Mm-hmm. They have a history of soul sourcing. Mm-hmm. Go for soul source with this mind. Mm-hmm. Get that 75% you achieve. And that gave velocity to the whole process. And that's how they got it. Mm. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, one of the things that what well, we started the conversation by saying, you know, what if everybody you know, we're leaders. And and in a lot of ways that I'm sure some people are going, well, wait a minute, that's counterintuitive because then who would do the work? Because of course they're thinking their manager and leader are the same thing. But, you know, what if everybody had had that leader mindset, that velocity mindset? Things will get done faster. But the key for everybody acting like a leader is mm-hmm. we have to make sure everybody's working on the same direction. Ah, and that's buying. That's one of the sub title mm-hmm. words. It's how do you eliminate resistance, gain buy-in, and achieve better mm-hmm. results. Mm-hmm. And that's where leaders fail to get to. And because they don't understand what influence is all about. And that's why we made a big part in the book in the beginning about the neuroscience of how to gain people's attention. Mm-hmm. One of the big things I'm brought in sometimes by small to mid-sized companies, even big companies, beyond speaking, they say, hey, help us. You know, we want to go sales. Mm-hmm. The first thing I start doing is meeting with the C-suite. Mm-hmm. They all think they're on the same page, but they never are. Mm-hmm. They may buy into, yeah, we've got to increase sales by 10%, but some of them are not believing they can do it based on what's mm-hmm. happening. Some of them are not really buying into how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so when I take the time with them to get them bought in and they're rolling the same, that's when we have great success mm-hmm. with those companies. Right. Now, you know, I think the key question is, how do we learn to be leaders or be better leaders. It's not about learning. It's about le- living and leading life as a leader. Mm-hmm. You don't have to learn anything. Mm-hmm. What you have to remember is, is that if you want people to follow you mm-hmm. and join you, mm-hmm. they have to believe that the trip is going to be in their best interest, mm-hmm. that they're going to gain something. Mm-hmm. So if you can create an outcome that you want, that you have a vision for, that you mm-hmm. think is important, and you can create an ability for people to engage in how to get there so mm-hmm. they're part of making the plan mm-hmm. and they're buying into it, mm-hmm. then you're more likely to have a team that's going to do what they said they were going to mm-hmm. do because they were engaged, they bought mm-hmm. into it, and they helped develop it. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Right. It doesn't mean you give up what you want, mm-hmm. but you got to make sure that everybody's going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you've got a lot of people going in different directions mm-hmm. and you'll never have velocities in an organization. Right. You know, and unfortunately, we, that is what we see so many times um, is, you know, everybody's just kind of because they all think they have the best way to do it, um, you know, and, and so or they're just waiting for somebody to tell them what to do, you know, and, and all of those people things. People want to know what people do want to know what to do because mm-hmm. they want to succeed. So, yes, that is there. But for leaders, if they're married, that they got the best way, that's when they'll never let new ideas come to company mm-hmm. into the con- company. They got to have that vision. Mm-hmm. And then look for the best ways. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the top people that I've met because of my role as president of international speakers, mm-hmm. my role as a top speaker, consultant, I get to meet some of the people that you would say are the top people. Mm-hmm. And all those people, Steve Forbes, whoever, mm-hmm. who I'm sitting in their private conference rooms, one thing that I noticed that they all do, they don't care about what they know. Mm-hmm. They care about what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So they're always looking for mm-hmm. asking you questions to see how you see the world. Mm-hmm. That's what leaders need to do. Right. Get immersed in other people's viewpoints mm-hmm. and mindsets, mm-hmm. because when you do, you'll gain information what mm-hmm. you need to do to help them along. Right. Because a leader's mantra is simple. Mm-hmm. I should not be dedicated to my success. Mm-hmm. If I dedicate my success, if I dedicate myself 
to helping others mm-hmm. who are in my sphere of influence, helping them mm-hmm. become more successful than they ever thought was possible, mm-hmm. I in turn will become more mm-hmm. successful. Right. So as a reader, it's not about you getting all the glory. Mm-hmm. It's about making your people successful. Mm-hmm. Just live with that. Right. You gain velocity. Right. Yeah. Because if they're successful, you're successful. Right. You know, and, and, and I love that you talk about, you know, continually asking. Um, you know, I worked for a CEO who routinely, and I mean, this was a, a major, you know, multi-million dollar corporation. Yeah. He, one of the, the people that he routinely chatted with was the head of the mail room. And, you know, and, and, and he said, you know, cause he knows what's going on in this company. Um, you know, and, and, and a lot of people went, ew, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and, or like the people that, you know, they always say, you know, uh, talk to the, the people who are, you know, your, your front desk people, your well, receptionist. That, well, that's true for two reasons. One, for what you just said, mm-hmm. you're going to gain information you won't mm-hmm. get from the, from the yes people who want to keep mm-hmm. their jobs with you. Mm-hmm. Right. But more importantly, you know, there were studies done with top salespeople. What, why did they leave? Mm-hmm. And we had 10 specs that Columbia University did. Mm-hmm. Money was number five. Mm-hmm. The one thing, whether you're a top salesperson, a janitor, or whatever, mm-hmm. we're all united in one thing. We want to be acknowledged for what mm-hmm. we do, and we want right. to feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. Just right. do that. Yeah. And that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what successful leaders yeah. do. You know, I still remember, you know, I'm, I'm from Colorado. And so, you know, I'm a Denver Bronco fan at heart. And I remember when Peyton Manning, you know, became the quarterback. Um, he actually lived at the facility for a while, you know, because his, his family still lived in Indianapolis. And, and so he, he lived at Dove Valley. And one of the things he, re, he asked them to do was to put together a notebook that had bios and photos of every single person who worked there. And, and he said, because to him, the janitor, was just as important as the general manager, um, you know, and 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 he really did believe that. He said, you know, if, if it's if things are going well at every level, things will go well. But you know, and and he said, you know, and I want to be able to call them by name. I want to be able to say, you know, hey, how's your kid doing in you know whatever school? And I mean, you know, we all know Peyton Manning is obviously a phenomenal leader. Yep, I couldn't say it any better than what you just did. Well, I love it. I love it. Well, Ron, this has been an absolutely wonderful discussion. Been having so much fun with it. Um, tell us how people connect with you and, and um, work with you. Well, number one, my mission is to gain a movement for the velocity mindset, mm-hmm. because what I don't want anybody to do in life is wake up after a period of time, mm-hmm. a day, a week, a year, or the end of a life and say, mm-hmm. oh, my, I didn't do what I wanted mm-hmm. to because my fears and stories got in mm-hmm. the way or whatever. So I want as many people to get their hands in the book because I think it will help people mm-hmm. for different reasons. And, and here's the book. I'll, I'll be Vanna. <laughs> so The Velocity Mindset is available on Amazon and mm-hmm. other bookstores. So please mm-hmm. go get your copy. If you want to know more about me and also have the link to Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, you can go to the Velocity velocitymindset.com. Mm-hmm. I'll say it again, velocitymindset.com. Mm-hmm. And there's also a free leadership assessment that you can take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, to give you an idea of how you're doing with some of the things we mm-hmm. talked about. Which might be scary for some people. You know, yeah. that, that that little voice is going to yeah, kick the up again. The assessment doesn't go to anybody. It's private. You get mm-hmm. a free own notification. Mm-hmm. And in terms of helping companies, you know, we speak, obviously, at conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, I consult with uh, companies on coaching one executive mm-hmm. at a time or working with the whole enterprise. Mm-hmm. So whatever it takes, you know, to get the organization moving, if it makes sense, mm-hmm. we'll enter into an engagement. Right. You know, and, and I love that you're able to actually go in person again, um, you know, and, and because, you know, it just it, it's it, it is going to be an interesting world. I think, you know, many things are going to be hybrid. But to me, that's fabulous. You know, maybe it's a great conference I want to attend, but I don't want to spend the thousand dollars to go. But I can sit in my my home office and watch, um, yes. you know, and, and so, yeah, I think I think, you know, everything going forward. Is, is just going to be, you know, is, are there going to be bumps? Sure. But, um, you know, I think there's going to be tons of opportunities out there too. Absolutely. Well, you know, your website is Ron Carr and that's K-A-R-R.com. And so, you know, I encourage folks to, to go there. We've only got a couple minutes left. So what final words of wisdom would you like to leave everyone with? You know, we all hear the same phrase over and over. I'm going to say it again, because sometimes when you hear something, it doesn't hit you for the first five times, but it'll hit you the sixth time. 
Mm-hmm. So the reason I'm going to say that we will hurt is hopefully it'll have a different meaning for people now after this conversation you and I mm-hmm. have. The statement is simple. It's not so much what happens to you in life. It's the stories that you create out of it and what you do with it. Wow. I love that. I love that. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having an absolutely fascinating discussion with Ron Carr. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.